I understand the impulse, but we have to stop trying to parse the future of Jordan Love week to week. Plus, Matt LaFleur fires back at the critics of Joe Barry, and he's missing the point. The entire organization is missing the point. And speaking of missing the point, this sophomore class does not, at least right now, look like the foundational piece we thought it was this time a year ago. Why we should be a little nervous about doing the same proclamations about this rookie class. All of that on today's show. You are Locked On Packers. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. Empower yourself with the purchase of a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat over 50 common infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. A couple weeks ago, when Jordan Love was struggling, the discourse flared up again about his future. Would you pay him? Would you give him the Daniel Jones contract? All of that stuff. And look, I started it in a lot of ways. Uh, back in week three, week four, I said, okay, you know, they have, they've lost some of these games, but if he keeps playing the way that he had been playing, I would give him the Daniel Jones contract. He didn't, but then lately... This is the best three-game stretch he's played in this season so far, including, I think, the first three games of the season. What this tells me is not that we need to now relitigate the relitigation of the original three-game take because, and I said this a month ago, everydayers will remember, we did this conversation. If the first month wasn't enough to say, okay, long-term, this is the guy, then the next month not being as good is not enough to say it's not. And now guess what's happened? A month later, and we have all of this new information. Guess what? It is okay to continue to make our assessments based on all of the relevant information. And guess what? Again, it's only been half a season. They've only played eight games, nine games. What we, what year is it? What week is it? Who knows? This is too soon to be like, okay, well, everything is settled now. We know exactly what's going on. That's that's not what's happening. And Mark Murphy even said it. 
Remember before the season, he said, you know, half a season and we'll know what we have. He was asked about that. He does these weekly Q&As with fans. And he said, we thought the surroundings would be better for Jordan Love. That's pretty clear. They thought they'd have David Bakhtiari. They thought Aaron Jones would be healthier. They thought Christian Watson would be better than he's been. Romeo Dobbs. And the defense, certainly they thought the defense would be better. Oh boy, we are going to talk about the defense. So the circumstances have changed. You can say, oh, I thought it would take eight weeks, but I thought it would take eight weeks under a different set of circumstances. Ones other than what we've seen so far and ones objectively worse than what we've seen so far. The Packers thought they would be better. They thought this would be better. They thought their players would be better. They thought everything would be better. And it's not a coincidence then that over the last three weeks when, guess what? Everything was better. The blocking is still not quite where we thought Rasheed Walker had his issues again in pass protection. Now against Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt, it's hard for me to fault him, but another game where he's giving up five pressures, the Packers need Yash Nyman to be healthy. Left tackle, you know, who knows what the future of David Bakhtiari is. If he wants to come back and play, great. If not, left tackle is at the top of the needs list going into this offseason. But it's not a coincidence Jordan Love has had his best three weeks when Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, and Dontavian Wicks over the last three weeks lead all rookies. Those three guys lead all rookies in yards per route run. Over the last three weeks, the rookie leaders, pass catchers in yards per route run over the last three weeks, they're Packers, all three. Now, Dalton Kincaid played Monday night, so I'd have to double check. That was true as of Monday afternoon. Zach Cruz had that little nugget from Packers Wire. It's not a coincidence he's playing better now that the rookies look more like we thought they would look. Christian Watson hasn't hasn't done that. Romeo Dobbs hasn't done what we thought they would do. We're going to talk about their piece in this at the end of the show. But this is all connected. And and maybe most importantly, guess what? How many times am I going to say that on the show today? But guess what? <laughs> The Packers don't have to decide today. They don't have to make a decision on Jordan Love because in the offseason, they gave him more upfront money, incentives this season that he's probably not going to hit. And he could go on a on a tear in the back half of the season. He, he could. Stranger things have happened. He could make the Pro Bowl. It's a weird NFC season. Kirk Cousins is hurt. Who knows what's going to happen? Jared Goff is going to make the Pro Bowl. Jalen Hurts for sure is going to make the Pro Bowl. After that, who are you sure about? Anyway, they don't have to make this decision right now. They don't have to give Jordan Love the extension right now. They don't have to do it in a week. They don't have to do it in three weeks. So if the first three weeks weren't enough, and the second three weeks weren't enough to nullify fully the first three weeks. And then the the subsequent three weeks were not enough. It just like, think about how crazy it would be if we had to do these check-ins 
all the time. We don't. Just understand what the trajectory is and understand also that it's not always going to be in a straight line. It's not always going to be linear. It's going to be a little bit up and a little bit down and then maybe a lot up and then maybe a lot down. We don't, we don't know. It's, it's not predictable either. What the Packers have tried to do was give Jordan Love the runway. And now when things around him have stabilized a little bit, Aaron Jones, did he have his best game on Sunday? No. We talked about some of the issues that, that the veterans were creating and he was one of the reasons why, but at least he's out there. He did make some plays too. On fourth and six, they drew up the play for Aaron Jones. They drew up a third down play, a play that they love to go to. Clear out one whole side, leak the running back out, get him matched up on a linebacker, whether it's in man or zone, it's sort of a, a defense-proof concept, and you get a first down, almost a touchdown. Having him out there makes everything easier. Having your offensive line healthy, Zach Tom performing at a Pro Bowl level right now. Having the rookies step up in a big way in the absence of your second-year players making big-time impacts. A.J. Dillon looking like him, his old self. All of that makes it a lot easier for Jordan Love to be himself. And yet, this team is still last in contested catches. They're still 25th in yards after catch. And something like 70% of Jordan Love's passing yards from Sunday were air yards. Not just like, hey, get the ball out. Not Brock Purdy. Here's a five-yard little choice route from Christian McCaffrey, he's going to turn it into 70. Or here's a 12-yard dig to Brandon Ayuk. He's going to break off a 30-yarder because he's special with the ball in his hands. That'd be nice for the Packers to have some of those guys. Christian Watson with a little bit of space can create some big plays like that. We saw Jaden Reed with some space create like that. So there are certainly positive things to be taking away, to be identifying the progress. And when there are those those valleys, to recognize two of the peaks, five big-time throws, according to Pro Football Focus, on Sunday. The third best performance by big-time throw of the season. Only Dak and Tua have games with more. That means he had more big-time throws on Sunday against the Steelers, a top-10 defense by DVOA, without his all-pro left tackle, and with his alpha number one receiver, shrinking in some of the big moments. He had more big-time throws than any Patrick Mahomes game, than any Josh Allen game, than any Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson game. Think about that for a second. Now, I don't want to turn this back into the litigation of the Jordan Love question. It's just to say this is going to change constantly. And, and that's okay because we have this limited sample, this small sample. And so one or two games is going to swing our perception in a huge way. Well, now that we've got nine games, really six of the nine games in terms of the stretches show good things for Jordan Love. And so with every game you add, the good you're going to tack on the good side, of course, but then the, the, the all of it, any any good or bad, whatever it is, it's going to have a little less impact on the total sample. 
it's going to mean a little less. And then it's going to be more looking at the body of work. And so because no one has to make this decision right now, it seems pretty silly for us to be having this discussion. And for anyone to be having this discussion, we are not actually trying to figure out, is Jordan Love worth the contract? Because that would be foolish. We don't have to do that right now. All right, I want to talk about something Matt LaFleur said, firing back at the critics and why he's he's missing the point in a troubling kind of way. We're going to talk about that in a second here on Locked on Packers. We spend a lot of time talking together. We get fired up about wins and losses, who sits and who starts, and I'm, I'm thankful for that connection. But this is about something a little bit more personal. Whether you're on an extended travel or a natural disaster strikes or there are supply chain issues, I want you to be covered. I want you to have the medications that you need and Jace Medical can help you do that. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive a 12-month supply of your daily medication. Remember to use the code locked on at checkout for a discount as well. Don't be caught unprepared. The Jace case, for example, five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. And all it takes to get a Jace case is you fill out a simple form online. And in some cases, you jump on a quick call with a board-certified physician. You can even get ongoing care from that physician for any treatment-related question. That's the peace of mind that you get with the Jace case. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind from having a year's supply of any daily medication, go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. And remember to use code LOCKEDON for $20 off your purchase. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Football season is here and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On NFL Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live at 2 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On NFL YouTube channel. Host Anitra Batiste, Jarvis Davis, and Kyle Crabb will break down every game on the NFL slate to get you ready for your team's matchup, your fantasy lineups, your betting angles, and more. Plus, get the in-depth local analysis from our stable of NFL hosts across the country who know their NFL teams like no one else. Find Locked On NFL Kickoff Live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern on any Locked On NFL YouTube channel. So Matt LaFleur was asked about some of the light personnel. And I'm always very careful because this distinction about linemen and uh, I don't, I, I do not care. But I am always careful because I think language matters and I think specificity matters. We talked about this on the post-game show. True defensive linemen. So what I would consider interior defensive linemen. So when you play a 3-4 scheme, and I've had some people reach out and ask, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the, the scheme part of this. But interior defenders means guys who, if it were a 4-3, be playing D-tackle. The Packers don't really have anyone who plays what you would call a traditional 5-tech in terms of like the prototypical body type for that. They don't really have someone that they're asking to do that on a regular basis, even when they're in their base front. It's not really how they operate. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter. But when asked about it, Matt LaFleur got really defensive. Here's what he said. So there were a couple instances where you guys were in nickel with the two down linemen. 
and they there were a couple. Of that players. is baffling to me when people talk nickel defense and they talk about two down linemen because I don't know what that means. You've got two true down linemen. You've got two inside linebackers. So got outside linebackers, just so you know how us in this profession view outside linebackers. When you go to nickel defense, they are defensive ends. Okay. And we have some of the bigger outside linebackers in this league. So I think it's comical when I hear people talk about, oh, they have two down linemen. I'm like, to me, people are exposing themselves when they say that. My problem with this isn't in a vacuum what he's saying. Like, I get the point that he's making. Yes, there are only two defensive linemen. It is the case that there are only true, two true interior defensive linemen. That is always how I've couched it or try to couch it. And yes, it's true. Rashawn Gary is 275. Preston Smith is 275. Those guys count as trench players. They're four-man fronts. And if you just look at some of the alignments, they don't have the gaps covered. If you're going to play a four-man front, you can't play wide nine and expect safeties to fill from depth and get any sort of productivity. It's just not going to happen. So the, the problem isn't what the names are. That's not the problem. The problem is inside the five-yard line, you're in nickel. You just can't do that. And what, what makes it honestly really frustrating is Guys like Quay Walker, and I know he's hurt. You got someone like Quay Walker so that he could be on the field, right? Well, the reason you use a first-round pick on Quay Walker is so that you can stay in base in situations where other people would have to be in nickel, and now you're dictating terms to the offense. Much like what happened against Denver when they didn't match personnel and the Packers thought they would. And they ran the ball anyway. A player like Quay Walker is supposed to allow you to cover even when you're in heavier personnel groupings. Now, if he's hurt, I understand you don't have that same flexibility. They haven't had any answers. They haven't had any answers if he's not on the field. And then you can't build your defense that way. You just can't build your defense that way. So it either needs to be more penny where you go three true defensive linemen, those five one fronts where you have three interior defensive linemen, three what we would call defensive tackles in if it were a four three guys who would are either going to play nose tackle or three tech. That's really what we're talking about. Maybe some other four eyes, some other different things there, but like, that's what we're talking about. Big body guys, defensive tackles. If we're just going to really condense down the way that we're going to talk about it. And then you still have your two outside linebackers, your edge players. That's five trench players, which is what you would have in a three, four base front, three to down linemen. If we're going to Use the, the phrasing from the question, two edge players. That allows you to cover the gaps more effectively. Now, you're only going to have one linebacker. That means you might have to play more single high, but the Packers play a ton of cover three anyway, even if they're spinning safeties. So 
it, it, it just, the problem isn't the name. The problem isn't what we're calling the players on the field. The problem is Joe Barry has consistently matched personnel incongruously. Like at the goal line, you can't be a nickel if they're in three tight end look or three tight ends and an offensive lineman. It, it just hasn't made sense. And here is where the red flags start to pop up for me, where the, where the lights, the emergency lights are just like flashing. Why is Matt LaFleur defending this? Why is he defending it? Because he wasn't afraid. And I know Mike Patton was forced upon him. But why is he defending this? This is, it's unacceptable. So why is he defending it? And is he defending it because he's part of the reason it's happening? Because he thinks it is defensible, ironically. Because they can't defend anyone in the run game right now. It's indefensible to continue to play like this. And guess what? They drafted a player like Devontae Wyatt in the first freaking round. And he can't be on the field. He can't be on the field in possible run situations because he doesn't know where to be. He consistently gets out of his gap. He was an old player when they drafted him who had this problem. He was not an impact run defender in college either. It's troubling. And it raises questions for me about how involved Matt LaFleur is, how committed he is to Joe Barry. I I don't know what you would do if you go into this offseason and Matt LaFleur says to Brian Gutekinst, I think we should give Joe Barry one more season. That, honestly, it can't happen. And so if you're Brian Gutekinst, you got to sit down with Matt and say, look, Either he goes or you both go. Like I, I really think we're at that point. Because the other issues, and I think Matt LaFleur is a hell of a coach. But at a certain point, you have to force his hand if this is going to be a problem. And if this is going to continue to be a problem, then maybe there needs to be a different coach. If you can't hire the right people and you're going to stay loyal to people who are very clearly not suited to the job, then that makes you a bad manager. It makes you a bad manager of people. It makes you a bad executive. So even if you're, you know, let's let's use a business example. Let's say you're really, really good with the numbers. Good with the product, good with the marketing, but man, you cannot hire the right people. Cannot hire right people. Time after time, the people you hire bungle things, projects not done on time, clients don't get what they want, customer service is mismanaged. You're really good. But you, man, just cannot. And, and the people who keep screwing up, you just keep letting them screw up. God forbid you bring somebody else new in. At a certain point, it falls on you as the executive. And moments like this do not give me great confidence that changes, sufficient changes are going to be made. And this goes back to the point that I made the other day. 
They brought in Rich Bisaccia to fix this special teams. They paid up to get Rich. Matt LaFleur thinks Rich Bisaccia is the best special teams coach in the league. And they're still one of the worst special teams in the NFL. That is pretty damning. So I think Matt LaFleur is a, is a terrific schemer of offense. I think he's a great teacher of the game. I think he thinks about the game in the right kind of way. I think he is a terrific X's and O's coach. And I think he he seems to understand how to build a culture. Is he perfect? No. But if we're looking really at the the main parts of his job in terms of the product on the field, the things specific to on-field play, he's really good at those things. The managerial part, the people part, the hiring part. That's a problem right now. And this kind of moment underscores why it is it is getting to be dire. It really is. And I don't I don't know how I don't know what has to happen. And maybe it just gets sorted out. You know, the Chargers score 40 this week and the Chiefs score 40 and the Lions score 40. And it's just like, okay, well. Can't do it. Can't do it. But it's going to get a lot more complicated. Yeah, they, let's say they lose. They, they they steal this Chargers game. They lose the next two. And then they go on a five-game win streak. To end the season, it's like, well, got to bring everybody back. No, you don't. No, you don't. I, I'm not, look, I'm not calling for anyone to be fired. I don't, I don't like really engaging in that very often. What I'm saying, and by the way, his contract, I think, is up. They usually sign three-year deals with coaches, so it could just be a mutual parting of the ways. That's what I think the Cowboys got to do with Kellen Moore, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, we didn't renew his contract. The Packers did that with Alex Van Pelt. Oh, we just didn't renew his contract. Like he, We didn't fire him. We just let him leave. Remember Aaron Rodgers, not too pleased about that. This is, this is, in the words of Pete Campbell, not great, Bob. All right, speaking of not great, this sophomore class, at least for the moment, not the foundational piece we thought it was going to be. We're going to talk about that as we close out this episode of Locked on Packers. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 back in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. And that's $150 if your team wins. I had a couple, I had a couple nice ones. Late afternoon window really came through for me. Cardinals. I, that was that was a big one. Kyler Murray looks like a real dude. I've been I'm getting a lot of questions about Kyler Murray. Could the Packers trade for Kyler Murray? I think they're going to win too many games, and I think they're going to be out of the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. We thought this was the worst team in the league. They were going to cakewalk to the number one overall pick. Doesn't seem like that is going to be the case. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, user friendly. It looks good. It really does. It's a nice looking app. Spreads, player props, over-unders, teasers, parlays, same game parlays. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Every dayers, tomorrow on the show, our pal Lily Zhao joins us for Zhao You Doing. We've got our crossover Thursday and then interview coming 
on Friday. All of that coming up on Locked on Packers this week. This time last year, we were looking at this draft class. Romeo Dobbs looked like a future wide receiver too. Christian Watson had just broken out. That was, what was it, three days ago? A year ago? That Week 10 game. And there were hints with Zach Tom. We didn't get a full look at him. We're like, hey, this looks. This guy looks like he's a starter. Quay Walker was showing flashes. It seemed like. Kingsley Barre, rotational pass rusher. I think by this time he was starting and doing some nice things in place of Rashawn Gary. So you're like, man, this is really, it's really looking good. It's really looking good. Look at this class. Come back this year. Quay Walker, clear, clear strides forward. Let's say that. Quay Walker made some clear strides forward. That was not my favorite draft pick. I made that very clear on this show and on Twitter and in any interview that they'll let me talk about it. Did not like that first round. Continues to not like that first round. By the way, I think I'm I'm like pretty vindicated so far. That first round has not looked good, especially given the players that they could have taken. Could have just taken Christian Watson, frankly, and not traded up and had an extra pick and taken a player who was good because Devontae Wyatt is not good. He's a good sub-package pass rusher, which is what they said they wanted, a penetrating three technique. But that's all he does. And he only does it on third and long or second and long when he knows must pass situation. All he wants to do is get upfield, does not care about gap integrity, does not know where he needs to be, does not impact the game down to down, play to play, is just an abhorrent run defender. So it's not even like smart to play him if you're going to play with just two true interior defensive linemen. If he's one of them, you got a run game problem. You can't trust he's going to be in the right gap. He's 25. That stuff can't happen. Christian Watson, we've talked about his struggles on the show. Has not taken that leap. Some of the the comparisons, I had Bears fans in my mentions comparing him to Chase Claypool, who looks really good as a rookie, and then it turned out. Never evolved his game. Couldn't create separation with his route running. His, his rookie season was inflated by some by some deep balls from a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Can't make contested catches. Right now, right now, doesn't look great. Romeo Dobbs, I mean, the Acme Packing Company had a, had a piece about it. Like, if you take away the touchdowns, and I, I know you can't take away the touchdowns, right? But if you look at what he does in the field of play, he's just not been that productive he there's flashes of route running but he just sort of like runs them at his own pace and it's not always in the timing of the play and I, I I just I don't really know what to make of him I'm not I'm not sure he is a a high end at least wide receiver two in this league right now to me right now he's profiling more in that like Kendrick Bourne kind of like nice wide receiver three awesome wide receiver four that's what he seems like to me right now Someone who could have, you know, five or six touchdowns every year because in the in the end zone, he just has that feel and knack. But in the field of play, down to down, it's not really doing it. Like, what is Quay Walker's upside? Is he Fred Warner? No. Okay, Sean Ryan can't even get on the field over John Ryan Jr. That, this would be the week I would like to see it. 
Thank you. Would very much like to see it against this very, very, very soft. Don't don't let John Runnin Jr. put a bunch of good tape against this trash Chargers front. Do not don't let him do it. Get Sean Ryan out there, give him a chance to play. But he hasn't had one. The coaches have not believed in him. Whether that is right or not, it's the truth. Zach Tom is a stud. Zach Tom is a stud, but Kingsley Anibari, he's a he is a like he, he has already outperformed what a fifth round pick could or should. But he's just a rotational pass rusher. He's a nice player. He's a nice player. Again, outperformed his his expected value to be sure. But maybe not the sort of foundational piece that it looked like maybe he could be, certainly in the preseason, building on what we saw last year. So when I, I get excited about this rookie class, I have to remind myself that, well, we just saw this. We just saw a group of rookies who had to play, play, and play pretty pretty well at times. We go, oh, oh well, this, this class could change the foundation of the Green Bay Packers. And then as sophomores, they don't. Now, that doesn't mean the story is written on any of these players. I'm not giving up on Christian Watson. Too much physical tools. I'm not giving up on Quay Walker. I think he could be a really good player. I think he could have a career somewhat like Devondre Campbell where he gets in the right situation, right defense, and really shines. He's still learning how to play the position in a lot of ways. He's not there yet. I I kind of am just out on Devontae Wyatt. Like he was better than Dean Lowry last year in short spurts, and it's clear now why they couldn't play him. I think Carl Brooks is already better than him. Already. Like, Devontae Wyatt is a first-round pick in the in the preseason. She should have just gone out and kicked everyone's ass. And he didn't. But you know who did? Carl Brooks. And Kobe wouldn't. They might both be better than him right now. That's not great for this 2022 class. Now, Romeo Dobbs, you know, day three receiver that, that becomes productive in the NFL. They're... Not super common. Doesn't happen very often. But this Christian Watson thing, like, yeah, they could have had George Pickens. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you definitely want George Pickens over Christian Watson. He was de- he would definitely fight for that ball in the end zone. I know that. He, coincidentally, is exactly the kind of receiver that Jordan Love could use right now. He is the kind of receiver that Aaron Rodgers like definitely would not have thrown to last year because <laughs> he just, it, those those personalities would not have worked. They just would not have worked. But that's exactly the kind of receiver that Jordan Love could use. Someone who's just going to go up and be a ball winner. Just give him a shot. Somewhere in his area, he'll come down with it. There's a lot riding on the second half of the season for these guys especially Christian Watson, who clearly has the most to gain because if he can get get it back, if he can play in the second half of this season like he played in the second half of last season, then it's like, okay, he is, he is a core piece of the offense. If he doesn't, if he keeps playing like this, he is going to turn into Marquez Valdez-Scantling 2.0 here really fast because the Packers are probably going to be in a position where they can take you know, a, a, another high-end receiver. Jaden Reed looks entrenched in that, in that slot role. And because we're 35 minutes into the podcast, I'm going to say something I'm not supposed to say. I think Jaden Reed is going to be better than Randall Cobb. 
If you're still listening, congratulations. Thank you for being here. I think Jaden Reed is going to be better than Randall Cobb. If you think you heard that, you didn't. But I, right now, he looks he looks better right now than Randall Cobb did as a rookie. He can be better than Randall Cobb was in his prime. And Randall Cobb was a 1,000-yard receiver. And I was not a Jaden Reed guy in the draft. Okay, now that we got that out of the way. Zayu doing? Coming back tomorrow. <laughs> uh, go check out what we're doing over at The Leap. Jason has the piece today. Uh, that should be in your inboxes if you're a subscriber. If you're not, why? Go subscribe. It's great. We have a great time. And it's not, it's like not expensive at all. Not expensive. I, I, right now, I think it's $3 a month. Come on, you can afford $3 a month. It's not, you can't even get a, a latte. One latte for that. Cappuccino, you can probably get a drip coffee for that. But not, not, not any steamed milk. Not any flavor shots in there. Can't do that. Premium Packers content delivered right to your inbox. You can get that. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, you can do that over on our Locked on Packers YouTube page so you can stay. Locked on Packers.